0: Hey, what's going on, everybody? What's going on? I hope you guys are having a wonderful day. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Pillow Talk with Dr. Boyce and Dr. Alicia Watkins. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins, and I want to welcome everybody and say hello. And um, I see some of you are already in here. Some of you got here early, uh, so you understood the assignment. And so I want to say hello to Creation Muse, Terry Cobb, uh, Chisel Chipper, uh, how are you doing? Uh, let's see, Fricknick uh, ended eventually just like Woodstock, but Woodstock stories. Yeah, yeah, you know, I think that's a really interesting point to uh, jump into to begin the conversation with. And uh, and so today, uh, my wife and I, uh, on our show, Pillow Talk, we'll talk with Dr. Boyce and Dr. Alicia Watkins. We're going to talk about uh, some of these lawsuits being filed, apparently, uh, over this Fricknick documentary. I don't know how many of you, how many of you heard about the documentary that's coming out? Did any of you, uh, hear about it. Do you have any plans to watch it? How do you feel about it? Do you think it's kind of a waste of time? Do you think it's it's just Black History kind of like a weird type of Black History or or what do y'all think? And I, I want to say what's up to my friends on Instagram. My Instagram is the Real boys Watkins, and you can also follow Dr. Alicia at Coaching with Dr. Alicia, also on Instagram. Uh, K.D. Mitchell uh, from Dallas, Texas. Troy out of Anguilla. Uh, let's see, Terry's out of Atlanta at ATL, the, the home of Fricknick. Nick. Uh, Katie, Michelle, uh, yes, I don't see the big deal. Cynthia out of Flinttown, uh, Our Excellent Life out of New Orleans. Good to see you. Hit the thumbs up button, thumbs up, thumbs up, share, subscribe. Uh, also, um, uh, I want to welcome everybody, so it's good to see you. All right, so uh, did you hear about the documentary, and have you been following kind of the banter that's been going on in terms of uh Frick Nick? And apparently, it's interesting. To, it looks like Jermaine Dupree or whoever the people are behind this documentary, it looks like they have a hit on their hands uh, and, and it looks like Hulu is excited about the hit they have on their hands that everybody's talking about Freak Nick now. And, and it's, it's kind of like been sort of drug up from the dead. I I don't know how I feel about that though. I feel like now they're going to start making all these like ratchet black documentaries now because you know, you know, how capitalism works If something. If something works, they just keep doing it over and over and over again. <laughs> so what did you think, babe? Did you expect that the Freak Nick documentary was really going to like blow up like this?
1: I mean, it's a great idea to do a documentary like this. I think it's pretty cool to to be nostalgic about a specific era that it was a little underground. It wasn't like they had flyers on Instagram. It wasn't like there was social media. There wasn't, there wasn't any, it was really kind of underground. And I bet a lot of white people in Atlanta was like, what happened here? You know, I'm thinking they don't know, they didn't know what was going on. There was one weekend out of March every year where it is all these Black people are piled in to the city, creating havoc, I think. So, I mean, it's just it was a it was a unique era and a unique time. And I think hopefully this documentary won't just make it all about ratchetness. Hopefully it'll make it it'll be more full color. The whole of what Freaknik was, I haven't been. Did you? You never went either. So
0: I never went. I, I was busy doing weird, nerdy, square stuff like studying and preparing for my future and trying to trying to build a good life for myself. I, I wasn't trying to just go hang out and party all week. I, I'm being silly, but um, but so yeah,
1: funny. I didn't yeah. go, but I was trying to go. I was like, who's going? <laughs>
0: And then, now that is too funny. Um, yeah, well, yeah, you know what? I, I think it's, it's, um, it's interesting. I saw somebody made a comment on Instagram where they said that this documentary has the potential to hurt people's reputations. And, um, and I don't disagree. Uh, actually, there have been lawsuits filed. And I, I'm going to read some of this to you. This is, um, according to News One, apparently, uh, there are some prominent black professionals who filed lawsuits to try to keep the footage from being released. Um, they said many of the 90s college students are now in their 40s and 50s and in the prime of their careers. A group of prominent black professional women. So it sounds like there are no men in the lawsuit. They plan to sue the streaming company and block the film's release based on concerns about what could potentially be exposed. They are filing a lawsuit in Atlanta's federal court against Hulu. The women are saying it is unlawful because they did not sign media releases. And uh, let's see, they said uh, out. So, so Uncle Luke Campbell is one of the executive producers on the film. Uh, the, Nick, the the movie's are supposed to be called Frick Nick, The Wildest Party Never Told. We'll also see Jermaine Dupree play a part in production as well. The choices seem fitting given the length that both artists have been cultivating the ATL party scene during the early to mid-90s. Uh, Geraldine L. Porras will serve as a showrunner and executive producer alongside Pete Frank Williams. Uh, some of the cast members, uh, let's see, of, of RSMS, I don't know what RSMS is, agree with their defense and believe it may hold weight in court. Special K and DeBrat believe fair use Will come into play, okay. Debrat, I didn't know Debrat was an attorney, but okay. Uh, this group of women comprise is comprised of one politician, three high level corporate executives, and one judge. According to Media Takeout, one of the C suite executives stated that there are already videos circulating online that show her in an unflattering light. She is married with three children, earns over a million dollars a year in her position, and is hoping to block the official debut. The women plan to remain anonymous, which in these internet streets, that probably won't work very well. Uh, what say you, Dr. Alicia, about this uh, lawsuit?
1: Okay. So I'm hearing that you can't use someone's face in a documentary without their permission. They have to have written permission. So maybe they're trying to block that. But what these documentary, the people doing a documentary can do is just they can blur their faces, right? so that we won't be able to see who exactly they were and they can still do the documentary.
0: Well, there is this thing called fair use and, um, mm-hmm. and there was another documentary. What, what what they're really copying from, in my opinion, it or could be copying from, which I think this is a good idea is that the Woodstock movie. Uh, did anybody else see the Woodstock documentary on Netflix or wherever it was? It was an excellent documentary and it mm-hmm. was, um, it was all about the energy behind the creation of the whole Woodstock movement. Like what drove all these teenagers basically to come from all over the country to this little farmland in upstate New York that nobody, where nobody lived. This little town where nobody lived. And like a million people just ascended on this town. It was the craziest thing. And it was pouring rain half the time. And people, they didn't have enough bathrooms and enough food, but they just made it work. And it became this amazing experience. And, and the Woodstock documentary doesn't seem to have the same energy as the Fricknick documentary, right? It seems like Fricknick, just it being called Fricknick, I mean, I don't know if this is still true. I don't know if I'm so old that my, my slang doesn't apply anymore. But is it flattering? when you, Like, what does it mean when you call a girl a freak or even a man a freak? If somebody's a freak, that's kind of sexual, right? So I think that, that just the name Fricknick alone, like Woodstock was all about love and peace, right? And drugs. The drugs were the stigma for Woodstock. But with Freaknik, it's like the drug is sex, sex and hypersexuality as a reflection of what was happening in hip hop culture at that time. Um, What do you think about that? I mean, do you think that that why why do you think it's it's sort of a different reaction for people?
1: Uh, Well, I mean, first of all, Freaknik was every year. It went on for almost a decade. Right. It was every single year. So. Um, I, you know, and I, yeah, I mean, Freaknik is not the same as Woodstock in terms of the sound, but with my association with Freaknik was just a fun time, like getting freaky fun. <laughs> I wasn't thinking it like go to Freaknik and be a hoe. <laughs> I was thinking go to Freak Nick and just have fun. Like I was. In my mind, at least that was my mind, I wanted to go so I can just have fun and see and be seen and look at the step shows and things like that. Like, I wanted to just have a good time. I was all about having fun back then. Um, and then maybe meet somebody. Maybe I can meet somebody. I don't know. Like, I was single. I was single in the 90s for the most part. Most of the 90s, I was single. So, yeah. I mean.
0: <laughs> yeah, yes, that's been well established, ma'am.
1: Thank you, boys. <laughs> I'm single so I mean I just I don't I don't in my mind I just didn't I know the element is always there you know whenever I would go out to a party the element like this is always there but that doesn't mean it encompassed everybody that went there so you just like look and go wow isn't that interesting and then you just do your own thing
0: yeah well by the way everybody you're watching Pillow Talk with Dr. Boyce and Dr. Alicia Watkins my name is Dr. Boyce Watkins and Pillow Talk is where I get together with my lovely wife, uh, who is a full professor of social work. And we talk about things that are happening in our community and try to do it in a fun and intelligent way. Uh, If you'd like to uh, check out what Dr. Alicia does, she's a licensed therapist, full professor of social work. She's written some books. Uh, Feel free to go to coachingwithdoctoralicia.com. That's coachingwithdoctoralicia.com. I should also mention that uh, tomorrow night, Friday night, uh, Dr. Alicia is going to be appearing on Tasha Kay's show. Uh, to talk about uh, fetal alcohol syndrome. Apparently, my wife has set these internet streets on fire with her analysis of fetal alcohol syndrome and uh, actually using the name Cardi B, uh, that, you know, in terms of um, uh, uh, a case worth looking into and really talking about fetal alcohol syndrome and spreading awareness of how many of our children have cognitive disorders that resulted from sm- even small amounts of alcohol that was consumed in the early stages of their mother's pregnancy. And uh, and so I'm I'm actually supporting that because I think that what you're doing uh, in terms of talking about fetal alcohol syndrome, I know you educated me on it. Uh, you know, we talk about things like Freaknik, right, where people are there and everybody's freaking and drinking, right? Freaking and drinking; those two things kind of go hand in hand. And you think about something like fetal alcohol syndrome, which comes from that, right? It comes from the fact that maybe for for four weeks while I'm pregnant, like right? if i if I was a woman, right? Men can't. I don't believe men can get pregnant, but there are people who disagree. Um, mm-hmm. And, but but a woman is pregnant and she's but she's still living that life, right? She's still going to Fricknick. she's still popping bottles and Hennessy and all that. And you're saying that fetal alcohol syndrome uh, can cause serious serious problems in your child in terms of their uh, their their uh, emotional stability, neurological disorders, things like that, just from that little bit of alcohol their mother was drinking in the first few weeks of the pregnancy. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, it's, it is correct. And the sad part about it is that. You can be pregnant, most women are pregnant and it's into third month, 12 weeks in, you don't even know that you're pregnant. So for the most critical part of your pregnancy is those early formative years when the cells are reproducing. I mean, you know, biology, the, the, the critical time, you know, and you're in consuming alcohol and drugs that can affect how the child is developed and it can affect them long-term for the rest of their life can be affected in terms of their cognition, in terms of their speech, in terms of their vision, physiological effects in how you're developed um, in the womb. All of that is affected by consumption of alcohol. And I really thought that using Cardi B as an illustration because she has symptoms of fetal alcohol syndrome. I, can, am not, I can't diagnose her with fetal alcohol syndrome but I can look at her behavior, public information and say, wow, she's got um, some symptoms of fetal alcohol syndrome. And I think like, I'm an educator. You know, I specialize in pedagogy. So a wonderful way to teach my students things is to bring it to life by giving in a real life example so that people can learn information better. So she's just an illustration. She does have symptoms of fetal alcohol syndrome I can't diagnose her with fetal alcohol syndrome, but I sure can say in my professional opinion, she's got very strong characteristics of fetal alcohol syndrome.
0: Yeah. And I I think it's really interesting because I know that there were some people who didn't like, you know, who who felt you were coming at her or trying to attack her or Mm -hmm. something like that. And it it wasn't an attack. I mean, I've heard you talk about this and I know I was floored. And I just want everybody to know about this. I mean, you know, especially since we're talking about things like, like, phrychnic and just just the, that so-called the culture what we call the culture i think cardi's daughter is actually named culture right so we mm-hmm. talk about the culture well a lot of the culture involves uh you know some interesting sexual activity um as well as alcohol alcohol is always in the background and fetal alcohol syndrome is super serious y'all I'm, i mean the symptom here's some symptoms i'm gonna lay out some symptoms it really kind of freaked me out uh that this can happen from the mother consuming even small amounts of alcohol during the early mm-hmm. stages of her pregnancy low body weight This is what can happen to your child. Low body weight, poor coordination, hyperactive behavior, difficulty with attention, all that ADHD that we're seeing in school, uh, poor memory, uh, difficulty in school, especially math, learning disabilities, speech and language delays, intellectual disability or low IQ, poor reasoning and judgment skills, sleep and sucking problems as a baby, vision or hearing problems, problems with the heart, kidneys, or bones, shorter than average height, small head size, abnormal facial spe- features, such as a smooth ridge between the nose and the upper lip. That's that's heavy. I, I mean, and I think that maybe some of the reaction that I saw online uh, to uh, your analysis, sort of using Cardi as an example, and really hoping that maybe she can help highlight the issue for other mothers. I, mm-hmm. I, I saw a lot of people who were offended by maybe because of some sort of – I wondered if some of it might be guilt because, I mean, how are you going to know if you're pregnant – and you're just taking drinks, and then you find out four weeks in that you're you're pregnant, but you were drinking, you know, and, and, and uh, you, you look at stuff like Freaknik. I mean, you know, women drink a lot just like men do, especially when they're young, college age, that type of thing.
1: I am so happy I did not get pregnant while I was in college <laughs> because, you know, and I turned old enough when I, was eight, when I was 21 years old and I was drinking. I'm very – it could have been my children, you know. Fortunately, when I had my children, I was married – and did not, was not consuming alcohol, but it easily could have been me. I mean, I was clueless about fetal, fetal alcohol syndrome as a young child or as a young girl. So, I mean, it was, it's something that we all need to know and more and more is coming out about it. And um, I was talking to the doctor who came to my classroom to speak to students about fetal alcohol syndrome. And um, he was saying that they now think that it could be um, up to numbers up to one out of every five. In wow. some way, it, individuals in some way is affected by um, alcohol consumption at, when they were in early in vitro, early stages of development. They think one out of every five um, individuals is affected in some way by fetal alcohol consumption. So, I mean, I think that's just a public health crisis. It's yeah. I, I, crisis. And flies in the face with what is being promoted in our culture is being promoted in our culture to be reckless, to be sexually um, promiscuous, to not think about what's going on, to go to the club and drink it up and do this. And we just have an entire culture wrapped around this level of consumption. And we don't realize the long-term effects of our behavior that can affect generations. Your, Your bloodline can be affected by things that you do early on. And I hate to put all this on women, because us as moms, you know, a lot is on us, right? But mm-hmm. uh, but we have the beautiful ability. I think we have the beautiful ability to cultivate life in our bodies, you know, and so in that we need to be respectful to our bodies and participate in pro-social, pro-health behaviors. Very important.
0: Well, let, let me say this: anybody who would like to hear the Dr. Alicia's full analysis. Uh, and if you're wondering about, you know, uh, I think I think because uh, I guess Tasha Kaye got sued by Cardi, uh, some people are like, "Oh, she's going to sue you. She's going to sue you." And, no, actually, you're allowed to legally give your professional opinion, your yeah, expert
1: opinion. opinion, based on what I saw. And I had, right. I mean, these were things that is in the news, right, because right. We all know about it, so I yeah. put it together and said, "Here's a case. Um, I don't know if she has fetal alcohol syndrome, but." She
0: definitely has the symptoms of it. Yeah, and and, and honestly, I'm I'm I, I support it completely because I think it's mm-hmm. worth talking about, and uh, and I think that unfortunately, I, and really, the conversation is really for people to care about their kids and aren't into, aren't so into worshiping their favorite celebrity that they can't hear anything that sounds anything other than uh, glorification of the pre-existing culture, which you, we all know. Is harmful to black people. You know, even Cardi herself, as as honest as she has been on Instagram, where she literally talks about drugging and raping men and things like that in her mm-hmm. past. Uh, you know, she also has talked about how that culture was harmful to her and the horrible things that happened to her as a result of that stripper club culture. Right. So, I, so I think that as, if we're going to glorify all that stuff and we're going to have music out here telling people to go pop pop your pop your, you know, yo you know what and all this other stuff you need to really talk about the whole side of that culture, you know, like, like what's really happening. I mean, I, I saw Mark Lamont Hill was uh, mm-hmm. talking about Fricknick in the context of rape culture, uh, mm-hmm. which I'm sure there were a lot of assaults that occurred during Fricknick. But remember, you know, um, when you're talking about the creation of that culture, I don't think that it's just men that create that culture. I think that we all get together and you start pouring the liquor. People are just acting out, acting, you know, just out of character. And next thing you know, crazy things start happening, and then everybody gets painted with that brush. All the men get painted with the brush of what a very small percentage of the men might have done, right? And 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 all the women get painted with the brush when really a lot of women were not going to Fricknick to pop nothing. They weren't trying to pop out their their, their body parts, you know. And but so so I think it's really you have to be real clear about sort of saying that different people went to Fricknick with different agendas. Yeah, I think most people. Uh, went to Frickney the same way you and I you, you know you and I would have gone, which is just like let's just go to this place where there's a whole bunch of black people and a whole bunch of whatever. Uh, then you have that small percentage of people that really went there to really like get it in and do the most. And I think that that's important to make that distinction because I don't think you should be ashamed to have gone to Frickney. It should be kind of like how white people brag about I went to Woodstock. you know white people don't say, oh my God, I went to Woodstock, don't show any pictures of me in Woodstock. No, they're not, they're not hiding from the fact that they went to Woodstock. They brag about the fact that they went to Woodstock. So to me, there was, there, was, there was almost like two types of freak nicks. There was, was just the regular freak nick of that, that, that was unfortunately uh, covered with the stigma of even the word freak. The word freak starts off talking about sex. You know, get drunk, have sex, all this other crazy stuff. Where really, I think it could have been easily called the Black Culture Fest or whatever. But unfortunately, when you give rappers all the attention and all the power they end up leaning everything in the direction that their overseers in the record industry have pushed them uh, to do. I so so I I think that that's really an interesting thing that we have to be ashamed of being a part of something that involved other black people yeah. because it was stigmatized in such a way.
1: Yeah, I don't like the stig- being stigmatized. I think that's terrible. I think it's important um, for us to say, yeah, that was a stage I went through, <laughs> you know, don't try to hide things, you know, so that's interesting when you try to hide things, they come out, everything will come out eventually and this is a great example of everybody freaked at Atlanta Freak Nick 94. They are, they're trying to hide all of those things. And I don't think you should be ashamed of that. I think it's a normal part of our developmental process and we all made it out alive. <laughs> made it out
0: alive, <laughs>
1: alive and we got stories to tell. And uh, But I think it's just great when, when we have influence and I think there's so many black people who have influence, right? And so I think it's just when you have that influence you're in the beautiful position to make a difference. And yeah, so I think, yeah, anytime you can use your platform to promote pro-social behaviors, I think it's important. So,
0: well, you know, I think the thing, the other thing that's really sad to me is that you had, you know, remember that during the time of Freaknik, that would, that corresponded with when hip hop started just getting real destructive and ratchet and ridiculous, right? Where you're creating lifetime alcoholics and 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 criminal behavior. It was encouraged through the music and all this other nonsense. And it gave a lot of young people the wrong impression of what it meant to be young, what it meant to be cool. We weren't glorifying engineering students. We were glorifying thugs and gangsters and killers and dope dealers, right? And uh, and so what was sad about Fricknick to me also is that because you then... Uh, and then uh, this is to me, this is all white supremacy uh, because at that. You know, th- so as a result of them sort of picking a small group of black people that were into toxic, harmful culture and making them people, those people the leaders of the community by, by default. Right. Even to this day, Joe Biden will interview when he's running for election. He'll interview with a rapper before he'll interview with a scholar or mm-hmm. an attorney or a black person in the community that's actually doing the work, a teacher or whatever. <clears throat> you know, so because of this. You had some black people who said, you know what, I don't I don't think I can even hang out if this is what black people are doing. I don't want no parts of it. You know, and that's unfortunate that we even had to get away from each other because this stuff was just kind of everywhere. And I remember feeling like I can't really go to this stuff because I'm not trying to go out here and get locked up. I'm not trying to go out here and get in some stupid situation, you know, where I'm in a club. And and I mean, I've, I've had friends be- that have been killed and gotten 30 years in prison for. Being in the club and having something go wrong at the club, somebody steps on somebody's toe. You next thing you get into some old gangster stuff that you learn from your favorite rapper. I didn't want any part of that. I was like, no, I got too many friends that are dead or in jail. I ain't messing with it. And I think that that's sad, right? I think that's sad when when you had young black people that really wanted to have a bright future who felt that in order for me to really be successful, I've got to get away from even my own people because they've been poisoned. Do y'all understand what I'm saying? Like, like I think our mm-hmm. community was poisoned by what they did to hip hop music in in the in the early nineties. What do you think?
1: Yeah, you know, I agree with that. And that's why I think people love going to the all black national convention so much because we don't want to be part of this stereotype. And when you pull away from that, it's a lonely experience. <laughs> There's nobody okay. like me. I feel like I'm so small in my one little circle. I got to go to all black national convention every year so I can be around my people. <laughs> you know? Yeah.
0: And, go- and the rappers are invited. You know, that's funny. You mentioned that, babe, because yeah. the first all black national convention was held in Atlanta. We didn't yeah. call it. We didn't, you know, I, when God gave me the name to call the convention, he didn't say call it, call it Frick Nick part two, call it the <laughs> freaky fest. You know, you know what I mean. No, it was like all black national convention. Not just black. You got to be all black. Like you got to be all in on blackness. And 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 here, here's what happened. Like it sold out totally. Day, and, but and the rappers were invited too. David Banner came out to the first all black national convention. Killer Mike came through the all black national convention. We've had other rappers, D1, and others that have come through. Kanye West called last year. You you know this past year wanted to come to the convention. So it's not like the rappers are necessarily always the villains. It's that we need the rappers to understand what rap was meant to do. Rap was meant to lift up your people, not turn them into like a big gang of hoochie mamas and, and gangsters and thugs and killers. Like, like I never, I'm going to just tell you the truth. You know, I'm not going to lie. I never related to uncle Luke. I, and and not because, and I still don't, honestly, even, even though we're both in, he's, we're both in our fifties. I don't relate to this guy because to me that when I see images like that, you know, Pop your blah blah blah, shake your blah blah blah. You know, give me some, give me some head, give me some sex. What well, I see that almost like a drug addiction. I see that as taking something that is supposed to be um, done with some degree of class and dignity, where women are loved and respected and honored, and and men are respected, and 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 the sacred act of reproduction. It's supposed to sort of, you know, strengthen the community and help us to survive and make us better and taking it and just debasing it into almost like garbage, absolute garbage. Taking a black woman's womb, one of the most sacred, one of the most valuable spaces on this entire planet. I mean, that's where our superheroes come from. That's we can't exist without the womb of a black woman. And you're basically reducing it to girl, pop that pussy everywhere you go. Right. And, and that, that makes me sad because like if you look at that picture right there all those women in another space could be seen as queens as every bit as valuable as uh, as uh, as Meghan Markle or any other you know a royal respected Michelle Obama type woman on this earth but instead they're they're part of this pussy popping culture and and i think that what's happening with like some of these like lawyers and stuff that are filing these lawsuits is that they too got caught up in this wave of this culture of degrading yourself and, and now and now they've learned that this ain't the way to live. Now they're trying to grow up. Now they've evolved. They don't want their kids out here popping it like that. So now they're like, oh, no, no, wait a wait, minute. Wait. I got to file a lawsuit. I got to cover up the footage because I don't want nobody to know about how I got sucked into a culture that reduced me from what God intended me to be. They don't want their daughters doing in 2023 what they were doing in 1993. That is a fact.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember, did I tell you the story when I went to Las Vegas during the Mike Tyson? Oh, Tupac. Fight? <laughs> yeah.
0: You should tell everybody else that story because I think it's
1: funny. So I go to Las Vegas and I'm like, yeah, I want to go to the Tupac party. I <laughs> was like, hey, y'all, I went to Las Vegas during the Mike Tyson fight when Tupac was still alive. <laughs> How about that? So me and my friend, we wanted to go to the Tupac Luke party. It was Luke was there. And Tupac was there. I said, oh, we got to go to that party. I paid my $20. I paid $20 my senior year in college. And I went in there and I walked around and I was like, oh, my God. I felt like I was, I really, boys, I really feel like I was going to get raped in that place. Mm -hmm. Like, I had these back rooms where the women, they were getting the women all drunk. And then they were scooping them up into these back rooms. And as soon as I saw that, I was like. I'm not trying to be scooped up into a back room. So I went to the bouncer and I said, could you please give me my money back? I said, you know, I just walked in here. I just walked in here 10 minutes ago. Please give me my $20 back. And I begged this man and he did. He gave me my 20. I said, Mm -hmm. I'm a college student at Indiana and I need my $20. This is not my type of crowd. This ain't my type of black people. I said, look at me and look at the rest of these people. I don't fit in. And that man, he was like, all right, don't tell nobody. He gave me our $20 back and I was out of there. But I was begging that. I would not let that man say no to me. But I really felt like, okay, I'm in a party that I don't need to be in. I felt like danger was coming upon me getting mm-hmm. into party. so I So I knew enough to know not to get tied up into stuff where I felt like that was going way too far and outside of anything I could ever be part of. And I was like, they're going to rape me in here. Like, I really felt like I was going to be sexually assaulted if I stayed in that place. And I got uh, out and, there. Completely.
0: And and, and, then, and all that makes me sad. It makes me sad because that's not really who we are. You know, <laughs> and um, I know that, um, I know i had seen where Mark, uh, and I respectfully, you know, talk about what, what Mark on my hills was stated on the Griot News where he was basically saying, he was talking about you know, the, the rape culture and the you know, patriarchy and misogyny and things like that. And and I don't I don't doubt that that plays a part. But I really think at the end of the day, you got to understand hip hop was never really owned financially by black people. Hip hop was not controlled financially by black people. Hip hop was controlled by people who incentivized. They, they selected which artists they were going to promote. They incentivized them to make certain kinds of music. They pretty much told them what to do and what to say. And, and even when Kanye West came along and was basically saying, I want to write a song about being a college dropout, they were like, no, that's not going to work. You have to be a thug, a, a dope dealer, a womanizer, you know, or whatever, and all these other things that are just so unhealthy and so scary. And so uh, what I really will say, and I'm, I'll, I'll just say this, you know, on behalf, it's, you know, to speak for my wife a little bit. One thing, I've, I've known my wife for a long time, and one thing I think that really helped us a lot, and maybe you can tell me if you agree or not, is that we were, you and I were had the courage to be ourselves. You know, we didn't, if something didn't seem right, we would just walk away from it. You know, I know I just told, <laughs> I, was, I came this close to pledging Omega Sci-Fi. It was the day before I was going to go online. And I just looked at these Negroes and said, the, the guys on my campus, not not all Qs. This is not disrespect to all Qs. I have many friends that are wonderful guys at Omega. But y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all don't know the difference between Omega and Omega man and a Q dog. These guys were Q dogs. And I and I said, I looked at them and I saw these guys sitting around drinking and whoring, not studying, ruining their lives, ruining their lives. And some of these men, I still know some of these men. Uh, one of them is actually two or three or more are serious, serious alcoholics. I'm talking about <laughs> liver bloating. It ain't pretty when you when you've been an alcoholic 30 years and you're 50 some years old. It, it stops getting pretty cool at that point. And uh, one of them's dead. Uh, and and we and what's crazy is that we predicted that he was going to be dead at an early age based on his behavior in college. We used to joke about it back then because that was way off in the future. Oh, the future don't matter. You ain't never. We ain't never gonna be old like thirty-five or forty. But then you thirty-five or forty, and then suddenly on Facebook you see people giving him prayers and well wishes, and 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 and, and you know we're praying for your family. And I'm like, oh, yep. They they don't they don't know what happened in the 90s with this guy and the lifestyle he was living. So I think the best advice to give any young person that's listening is you got to have the courage to be yourself. You can't just follow the crowd because unfortunately there are people, I think, that have this vested interest in keeping black people in the gutter. They want us in the gutter. They want us as ignorant as possible. They want us as self-destructive as possible. They want us to hate each other as much as possible. They want our families to be destroyed. They want us broke as possible. And, And I'm just telling you, if you don't know how to fight against that as a black person, this culture will suck you in like a tornado and destroy everything that you ever loved.
1: Yeah, and I think the worst part about it is that people like me and you who see this happening and we take our time to call it out, we're victimized. We're the one that's the bad guy. So they mad at us for calling out all this ratchetness in our community and defending people who are basically promoting the demise of our community. Like there's something sick about that. Yeah. How can yeah. you defend?
0: Yeah. Yeah. You got, you got to learn how to ignore it. You just got to learn how to just, I mean, I, that's what I do. I'm like, well, you know, I forgive you for, you know, not what you do, you know? And also uh, I don't even blame you. Like, I don't even look – I used to I used to talk about what the artists did and things like that, and I think the artists play a part in this. But really, you got to remember, the artists are owned and controlled by somebody else. The artists don't get to choose.
1: They have a choice. They have a choice in
0: that. They, 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 they do have a choice. They do have a choice. But, but the thing about it is E-40 had a song a long time ago where he talked about this type of thing. He E-40 – in case you don't know, E-40 was just ahead of his time. I, I don't know E-40. I never met him. When we played his song at our wedding – and I didn't know Willie, Willie D, who uh, from the Ghetto Boys. Willie was in my wedding, right? So I got friends that are rappers, and I love love these guys. And uh, and, and anyway, what, uh, I'm friends with Sugar T, his sister. And, uh, and E-40, y'all don't understand, he was ahead of his time. He used to rap about things that we understand very well now, like, for example, being independent and being an owner of his own label. That's why E-40 has never, ever not been able to put out music. He's been putting out music 30 years and it didn't matter how many albums he sold. He was never going to not sign himself. And then he had another song. Y'all should go look it up. It's I think the, the title was like, they'll find a new nigga next year. Mm-hmm. And in this song, he was basically saying that, you know, like you're on top. You think that they love you. You think they're going to take care of you. But the minute that you're not popping anymore, you're not hot anymore, they're going to dump you and they're going to find somebody else. They're going to go right to the hood and find somebody else. And, and, when, when I, and my interpretation of that also is that you can always find a black person who is financially desperate enough that he's going to degrade himself in order to make some money right there will always be a white person willing to pay to watch a black man get on stage and act like a complete buffoon act like a baboon like that's you know and 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 that and, and we think that that is success what i think so so generally i think the community has to realize that ain't really success you know that you're you're a puppet you're an embarrassment your behavior is 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 degrading to you and your family but whatever but i think also we got to remember they're gonna always keep weaponizing, you know, that music as long as they own it, as long as they control it, as long as they own access to media and distribution systems. And y'all know which, who those people are. Kanye called him out. He called him out a little bit more than I would have, but he but he he was actually right about this. I don't disagree with him. There are people in certain communities who will put imagery and culture onto black people that they would never put onto themselves. They do not want their daughters, you know, run around act like hoochies. They would not want their sons running around acting like future prison inmates. They would not want their people in the same place as our people. If you ask them on any day of the week, would you like to trade places with a black person? (laughs) Jane, Jane, that white lady, was it Jane Goodall? Is that her name? The one that hung with the monkeys or something? She, she, She was like, she said, she asked a room full of white people, big old white crowd. How many of you in this room, if you could exchange places with a black person, not one single person raised their hand. So, so what they do with you is not what they do To themselves and I think it's important For us to understand that
1: Yeah, now I'm looking at some of these pictures You're showing, like this picture is okay Like some of the pictures, like if you go To some, well not necessarily this one But some of the mm-hmm. pictures the women look actually Pretty okay.
0: Oh, I just grabbed a bunch of Random Fritnick pictures I just, Oh okay not, yeah, not- yeah, but, and, and This one was interesting because people were asking if that was Kanye West Right here
1: Oh no, that may not be him does that look like kanye what do y'all think just because it looks like him don't mean it's him <laughs> right, right right but you know
0: kanye i mean i asked kanye on the phone i said how old are you i said i'm 51 how old? i said you're about 42 right he said no i'm 46. so that would make him five years younger than me which means he would be born in 1979 or sorry <laughs> sorry wait sorry 1976 1976 which would mean that like 1982 that was when fricknick started he was 16. By 1992, he's 26, right? Is that my... I'm doing the math wrong. Oh, my God. Terrible math. Terrible math. Sorry. Sorry. If he's born in 1976, then he's 20 years old in 1996. That's what I meant to say. My apologies. So yeah. so 20 years old, 1920. He could be a nick That could be Kanye.
1: Maybe. I don't think that's him though,
0: boys. Yeah, we ain't gonna put that on Kanye. I know it was terrible, math. It, it, that's my sleepy math. I, I I used to teach math. So I should I should do better. I should do better than that.
1: <laughs> From what I gather about Kanye West, if it was him, he would say it was me. <laughs> like he's not the kind of person. One thing Kanye West is not, he is not a liar.
0: That is he, will
1: true. Tell, he will tell the truth.
0: He will tell you the truth. He'll tell you exactly what he They're thinks right in the, the moment. Even if he knows it's going to piss you off and make you never want to talk to him again, yeah. Um, Shout out to Kanye. Okay, so anyway, let me let me hop in and uh, tell you guys. um, uh, This is pillow. You're watching Pillow Talk with Dr. Boyce and Dr. Alicia Watkins. Uh, My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. This is my wife, Dr. Alicia Watkins. Dr. Alicia is a licensed therapist and a full professor of social work. Uh, My PhD is in finance, and we created Pillow Talk so that we could just, um, as a black couple, that that we love each other and we love our community. We just thought that it would be fun to try to have some intelligent fun conversations with our people online. And so uh, if you are enjoying this, please hit the thumbs up button, thumbs up, share, make sure you subscribe, uh, hit the notification bell. Also Alicia's website, uh, she sees clients and things like that. So if you'd like to know more about what she does, you can go to coachingwithdralicia.com. And two other things I should mention is one, uh, this podcast, you can find it on Spotify. Also, if you look up the Dr. Boy's Breakdown, uh, it's, it's right there on Spotify. And also tomorrow night, Friday night, the 14th, yeah, that's right, at 930, uh, Dr. Alicia is going to be on Tasha K's show. So if you want to watch Unwind with Tasha K, uh, Dr. Alicia will be on there uh, discussing the dangers of fetal alcohol syndrome. And also I'll be in Houston on the 21st of April. So if you want to come hang out with me in Houston, feel free to go to BoyceWatkins.com and uh, check out that. Okay, so so let's um let let's have some closing thoughts on this. Um, all right, so so we know these lawsuits have been filed the document, but they're they're gonna they're gonna move on with this document. There's no way it's gonna be canceled. um I think that they've got a hit on their hands. um I you know, and, and I think it's worth exploring. Uh, I think it's worth. I think it's it's it's. it's a, I don't know if I'd call this black history, but it's an interesting part of just history in general. Maybe it's entertainment history, right? Uh, and um, and and I I would say, what do you think, but I, I don't think that the world will be better if like if we created like Freaknik 2024. I don't <laughs> think that the world will be better with another Freaknik. I, I kind of feel like. You know, maybe like a black culture fest or the black music fest or, you know, something just a little more diverse in terms of representing the entirety of who we are instead of starting off by calling us freaks uh, might be a little bit better. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, I kind of I take a little bit of a neutral stance in this. I I just don't want I just feel like black people are so scrutinized Mm -hmm. and I just, you know, yes, there's an element in our culture that's ratchet. But there's also an element in our culture that's all about having fun. And there's an element in our culture that, that is just a, a gamut, a range of things. And I think that it's okay. We should be allowed to be this range of things and not one way is we have to be one way or another. And I think you know, for white people and for other different races, they're allowed to be fully who they are. So this is just an element of our history part of it was ratchet some part of it wasn't I think it's beauty and all of it in some sense and so um I am in favor of this documentary I really hope that it it covers the full gamut and I'm I'm curious to learn more about Freaknik because I have no idea where it started how it started I just know that it was an underground whisper going on on my campus at Indiana University, and I was trying to get on. I was trying to go, because I was curious. I wanted to see what it was about. I wanted to have fun stories to tell, because I was in college. I had no children. I wasn't responsible for anybody but myself. And I wanted to have a good time in my lane. <laughs> hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll say that um, I, I also support the documentary. I, I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with telling these stories. Um, my heart goes out to anybody who did something so outrageous that they are worried about being exposed in the documentary. I I personally don't even understand how with millions of people coming down to Atlanta, you still, you feel that they're going to find your footage. Uh, You must've did some crazy stuff in order for that to happen. Um, I think they, they do have a right to try to bury that past. But the reality uh, that I would say to any young person is that, you know, some things you cannot bury. You know, uh, everything that you do in your life, chances are that it's gonna be remembered by somebody. Uh, it may be recorded by somebody and it's gonna be part of your story. Uh, even the parts that no one else knows are still a part of your story. I mean, remember there's a lot of, what, what people don't see is the stuff under the surface in terms of, of the personal pain and trauma that might've been experienced by uh, mixing things like sex and alcohol. You know, uh, I, I was on college campuses for many years I heard too many stories that were very, very sad about terrible things that happened uh, when you involve alcohol and in the middle of a bunch of crazy nineteen twenty year olds who were, who were so drunk when everything went down that nobody really remembers anything. So it's hard to press charges. It's hard to follow through and find out who did what. So um, I would almost... Uh, you know, encourage it. What you're gonna get from Uncle Boyce from Uncle Luke, you're gonna get something different from what you're gonna get from Uncle Boyce. Okay. Uncle Luke, he's gonna talk about what he talks about, but Uncle Boyce is gonna say, just be smart, man. Think about your life. Like your life is important, your life is an investment. Be a leader. If something looks stupid and crazy and it's not something you want to be a part of, walk away from that nonsense. Like, you know, um, you know, uh, alcohol is terrible. Alcohol yeah. so many people. There's so many people I know in prison because of things that they did while they were under the influence of alcohol. You know, so many people in the morgue because of things that happened uh, while somebody was under the influence of alcohol. So I'm not telling everybody to go out and become a monk or a nun. But I'm saying there's so many other ways to have fun in your life. Like, I can tell you this. I had a blast in the 1990s, and I never once went to Freight Nick. I had more fun in college than most of my friends. And I never, ever, I, I didn't go to the parties. I didn't go to a lot of step shows. And the reason I had fun was because I figured out what I really enjoyed doing, not what everybody else was doing. I looked at what I enjoy. You know, I enjoy I enjoyed being smart and working hard. I said, when I get older, my life's going to be even better than it is right now. I enjoy going to see my girlfriend, hanging out with my girlfriend. I enjoy playing basketball with my boys. I enjoy going out and getting money, you know, and working extra hours so I can have money in my pocket, right? Like, like those were the things I enjoyed, and, and, it, 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 and when I would go to the parties, honestly, I felt a little flat and depressed. I would get bored. It's hard to have a good conversation when you got speakers booming in your ear. You're mm-hmm. seeing the same people. You're meeting a bunch of, you know, unfortunately, some 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 misguided women who have cheapened themselves. Uh, I didn't want a cheap woman. I wanted a quality woman. I wanted a woman like the one that's in front of me. I didn't want... Somebody who's out here trying to pop it and devalue everything God gave her. No no disrespect. I mean, if that's who you are, that's who you are. But I encourage everybody who is a little bit different from the so-called culture to be bold about that and to be confident in who you are enough to walk away from some of the culture and say, no, that ain't for me. I'm going to have more fun than you because I know who I am and I know what real fun looks like. And being dangerous and crazy and wild is not always the best way to have fun. So that's my that's my two cents.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you one thing. I know um, people at Freaknik never in a million years thought years later. <laughs> <that> <laughs> this, would be, this would be like such a big event where someone would actually televise. like no one ever in a million years. They just thought I'm going to Freaknik. You don't even think about the future. You never even think about, oh, my goodness what could this mean long-term when I'm 50 years old? I can't even think about the things I'm doing right now. How it's going to affect me when I'm 70. Like I can't even imagine what technology is going to be out to recreate my life and all the things that I've done <laughs> in this age. So that's one thing you just didn't know. Like this is the picture. These women aren't that bad in this picture. No, I like- no, no. I, I don't think, and I, think I, like, I like this. I like this. I, like- I was trying to, my hair through, go up like that. I was trying to get it right. Trying to get my well, hair. <laughs> I was trying to get it. I was trying to get that look back then. But well, like, um, like. and by the way, boys, I had a fun time with you in college.
0: You had a fun time what?
1: Me and you had fun in
0: college. Yeah, I always had fun. I've always I've I, I I've never been a person who pretended like I was happy with my life. I've always been very happy with my life. And and because I also understood the importance of investing in my life. My life got better every year. My life got better every single year of my life. Like there's no decade where I'm like, oh man, I'm in my forties, man. I wish I was in my thirties again. No, when I was in my forties, my life was better than it was in my thirties. My thirties was better than my twenties. My twenties were better than my teens because I always understood things like cause and effect, um, the importance of sacrificing for the future. And I think that, you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, when you talk about, whether or not people in the nineties could see the future. Um, I'm going to tell you the truth. I saw the future. You know, I, I, I remember thinking like, okay, you know, if I make mistakes now, and I think it's because I had to do that hard calculus because I had to deal with stuff like watching people I knew get 25 years in prison and doing the math, like, man, okay, we're 25 years old. You'll be getting out when you're 50. That's a, that's really old. That's a long time from now, the year 2023. What is that? You know, like, like I, I remember thinking about those kinds of things, and, uh, and, and, and maybe, maybe it was just my unique situation. Maybe I was, I don't know, maybe maybe I think I, I was a thinker a little bit more, I guess. Uh, but I think everybody can think. I really do. And I, and I think that black people have to think because you have to be strategic because they, they just designed so many systems to destroy you, you know. And, and, I, and I can't tell you how many people I know that are in their 40s and 50s who have regrets that they'll never, ever talk about publicly because mm-hmm. of things that they did in the, in the 90s or in, 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 the, in the 2000s. So I just encourage everybody, like, think it through, you know, think about how those choices are going to affect you. Um, And, uh, and, you know, because because believe me, uh, chickens come home to roost, whatever, whatever those chickens are. So that's my two cents.
1: Yeah. And just to add a little bit more to it, I just think that even if no matter what has happened in your past, it was supposed to happen. You know, I kind of I'm a little fatalistic in that way. You're supposed to have these experiences. You're supposed to grow from them. You're supposed to learn from them. I think sometimes when people have rough patches in their life, it just gives them substance and character. You know, if we have an opportunity to process it and to think about it and to learn lessons from it so we don't repeat the same things over and over again. That's what makes life beautiful to me. And so I just go through life. And, you know, maybe I was a little sheltered growing up. I didn't have, being from Gary, Indiana, I didn't have such a hard life necessarily. But uh, but I do remember just kind of looking back on my past and I'm like, wow, that's what makes me who I am now. And it, it just gave me a lot of character and it gives me wisdom. So, you know, you shouldn't be ashamed of anything in your past. I don't want, I don't want it to be like judgmental. You made this big mistake and it's a catastrophe. It's not a catastrophe there. You can turn it around at any moment.
0: Oh, yeah. absolutely. Well, well, you're always, you're always better off by doing the best you can with what you got based on where you are <coughs> and, 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 and regretting the past too much. is almost never good for you. Um, but at the same time, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure.
1: Yeah. And,
0: yeah. um So so I I think like, you know, I I just remember seeing people make choices that I almost felt like weren't even their choices. This wasn't even really what they wanted to do. They were just kind of following what they Mm -hmm. thought everybody else was doing. And uh, like, I I asked this lady, (laughs) I knew this lady who got married right out of college at 22 and she got divorced by the time she was 25. And I, she was in my PhD program. And I asked her, I said, I said, why'd you get married at 22? And you know what she said? Um, She said, um, I don't know. She said, I just did it because that's what everybody told me you're supposed to do at 22. Oh,
1: my gosh. Yeah. That's what she said. She it's said, not I just did it. It's, isn't that wonderful? She came out of that experience saying, you know what? I did what everyone was telling me to do. Obviously, she changed her mind because she wasn't married anymore. But that's right. her lesson. That's her lesson. And it's OK.
0: Yeah. 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 It, you know, everything's going to be OK because it's her life and it's not mine. And uh, Joe says, uh, I thought you said Alicia was from the hood. Gary, Indiana was the hood. I mean, it was she now she you had teachers, you had a teacher and a professor or two teachers as parents, so you kinda had some protection. But you know, you, you saw you you saw some pretty terrible things growing up in Gary. And at that time I think Gary was the murder capital of America, right? In the nineteen eighties.
1: Yeah, the murder capital of the year. It was us in New Orleans. We were like neck and neck with New Orleans
0: yeah yeah Gary Gary was not a place I wanted to go <laughs> until I met you and then I would have traveled to Gary to see you but
1: no, I, 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 I bad
0: bad. on a swivel say it again
1: Gary's not, Gary's not that bad, is it what well, uh, was- oh, no, yeah. but no
0: I, I like gary i mean i, I you know I love it because you're from Gary, you know but i um at the same time it's uh you know it's it's a place that went through you know the, the de industrialization when they took all those jobs and you know NAFTA mm-hmm. moved them to Mexico and all that stuff. And I feel like uh, Gary is a place with lots of good people that dealt with some misfortune. And I think that uh, black people have to kind of think about like what happened to cities like Gary when those factory jobs left and, and sort of look around and look at things like AI and what that's going to do in terms of taking jobs away, stuff like that. You know, you just got to prepare for the future, you know, and, uh, and I think that that is really that's what investing really is. Investing is simply preparing for the future, you know, not just getting caught up in the moment. And I think that with this Freaknik documentary, when you look at these lawsuits and everything else, that's what you're kind of seeing, in my opinion. I think you're seeing, um, you know, lawsuits from people that got caught up in the moment. They got caught up in what was trendy, what was cool. And now, you know, years later, they're like, oh, my God, I can't believe people are going to find out what I did back then. But I I almost wonder if a little bit of, of thinking, you know, could have helped with some of that. You know, there are people who would warn you. Like, hey, look, everything you do, you know, if it gets on camera or whatever, you know, some things you do, you can't take back. And so uh, preparation for the future, I think, is essential for any smart person out here. And I I like to talk to intelligent black people. So all intelligent black people, I'm telling you, think about every day carefully, process what you do and just know everything you do to yourself, to other people. It's going to have some sort of cause and effect and make sure you process what that looks like so you can make the best decision going forward. All right. Well, thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much, babe, for a great conversation. I enjoy talking to you as always. And uh, we're actually in separate cities right now. And uh, we want to say we appreciate you and we love you. And uh, if you could uh, take one moment, please hit that thumbs up button. Uh, everybody thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up. Uh, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you share. Uh, Dr. Alicia's website is coachingwithdralicia.com. You can follow her on Instagram at coachingwithdralicia. Uh, She'll be on the Tasha K show (laughs) tomorrow night at 930, Friday night at 930. So if y'all want to go check that out live, I think she's taking callers and everything else. So so if y'all want to challenge her on um, the whole fetal alcohol conversation and Cardi B and all that, uh, she's ready for the questions and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And I support you. And uh, also, um, I'll be in Houston on uh, April 21st. So uh, feel free to go to BoyceWalkins.com if you'd like to join us for the Black Wealth Bootcamp in Houston. And my new book is on Amazon. It's a bestseller. It's called uh, The Ten Commandments of Black Economic Power. So uh, if you want to go cop a copy of that book, I guarantee you that it will change your life. Um, I put my foot into it and you all love it. The reviews are really, really good. So uh, it looks like it looks like I did something right with this one. So. uh, So anyway, thank you guys for checking us out. God bless you. And thank you again, babe. It was so great to talk to you and uh, love you guys. Talk to you soon. Peace.